0: Welcome everybody to the new episode of the blow off valve podcast It's the podcast for automotive and motorsports news. Uh, We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker, and we've got a little bit of a more free range show today because I'm on vacation. So I'm on a bit of a (laughs) bit of a Mm -hmm. different setup, but uh, hopefully it sounds good for everybody. Um, But this morning we had the uh, Portuguese Grand Prix at Portimao, and it was a really, it was a great race. And not not a lot of uh, upsets, I guess, in in the ultimate uh, right. results. But kind of an interesting qualifying session with Lewis Hamilton ending up in third and Daniel Ricciardo from McLaren ending up all the way down in 16th, not making out of uh, first uh, session of qualifying, which was kind of a shocker.
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Botas, when he's in... I honestly think that that's that guy's strength at times. Yeah. It's his you know, his qualifying. He's ability. really, I've, he I've heard other
0: you. F1 drivers talk about this. Like the guy that's really fast over a lap. You know, like they, yeah. they would say that, you know, Michael Schumacher wasn't necessarily the fastest guy over a lap in any year that he was an F1. But he was a race maestro at timing yeah. when he needed to push, when he needed to conserve his tires. And I think Botas yeah. is kind of like that.
1: And when I think everything goes well for him, he ends up on pole position. And um, the right. difference between you know him and Hamilton is just likelihood of making errors. They're just higher for Botas. I yeah, think it's, I think that was really was highlighted
0: pushing. when uh, Hamilton passed Valtteri. Um, I don't know if you remember, yeah. but they're coming out of a corner and Botas, and it may not have been as well, maybe his tires didn't have, the grip, I don't know what his degradation situation was at that point, but the, his rear end got a little squirrely. Lewis pushed and was able to get inside him on the next turn and get around him. Yeah, and he really so, had to
1: s- <clears throat> slow down, it seemed like, and, and take a, it seemed like a sharper angle than would be ideal. Right. And that allowed Lewis to just kind of zip right around him.
0: Yeah, so I, I think it, you know, Lewis, Lewis's strength really He just doesn't make mistakes, you know, in, in the race where he got second and he said at the end and in the interview, you know, he had been a while since he had made a mistake like that. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's an incredibly gifted driver and, and he has become smarter and smarter with age as to, as to how to run his race.
1: Yeah. He's, um, he's just super consistent. You yeah, know, um, and, he's like a surgical instrument going around the track most of the time, right. and it's very and rare that he that makes an a actual really good mistake.
0: Team. Yeah, exactly. Pair that with a really good team that also very yeah. rarely makes mistakes. And <laughs> that's a pretty dangerous combination.
1: Yeah, sir, it's served them well over many years. Yep. Yeah. So um, Hamilton, I-
0: Hamilton ends up winning. Um, we're kind of alluding to that, but but uh, he did. He started from third ends up winning the race ahead of uh, Max Verstappen, who got second. Um, and Max, both in qualifying and in the race, seemed to kind of be struggling with grip and handling with the Red Bull. I think it seemed a little bit trickier car on this circuit for whatever reason.
1: Well, yeah, and um, I, I don't remember, but I just I remember reading an article at one point that Max has somewhat of a unique driving style. I think he mm-hmm. he seems to like his car being, a, maybe you were telling me this. He likes, likes the rear to,
0: end to be a little loose.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and likes it to be maybe kind of snappy. Um, right, coming which is why that corners. second
0: Red Bull car has been tough to drive for a lot exactly, of other yeah. drivers. That, that was you yep. mentioning
1: that. And I think that um, sometimes for Max, that probably works really well on certain circuits, and then other times it doesn't. Um, I think it's, it's challenging.
0: So for like a race like this, where they were on the hard compound tires for a while, you know, before those, it takes a while to get those things up to an appropriate temperature. And until then his already kind of, you know, loose reared car is even more loose and even kind of more of a bear to keep under control.
1: Yeah. I wonder what, um, I wonder what happened to, um ricardo and qualifying it's kind of it's kind i don't of know unfortunately you know. we were traveling
0: and so i missed i missed uh seeing i just saw the qualifying highlights which for ricardo was not much it just showed him missing out so yeah. i'm not sure i'm not sure what the issue was but obviously he has more quality than than what he showed in, in that qualifying and, yeah. and it showed in the race i mean he started 16th and ended up in ninth so he was able to get some points from mclaren which was uh you know obviously huge for them because they're yeah they know they're not competing for constructors titles with Mercedes and Red Bull just yet, but they I think are very much uh, feeling like they can get third in the constructors again this year um, uh, above the likes of Ferrari or Alpine. um, Yeah. Especially um, because it seems like the uh, Aston Martin team, you know, X racing point team is not going to be really competitive this year.
1: Yeah, it does seem that way. I, um, I did uh, find it, you know, interesting with the with the Perez strategy. And you know, it seemed to kind of work out. He ended up in fourth where right. I think, you know, you probably would have expected him to end up with, but um kind of wonder like, you know, what do you have ended up in let's just say theoretically, I don't even think this is possible, but um what do you have ended up in fourth had they just kept him on those mediums and just let him yeah. go? till the end of the race or would one of them have blown up or would it have just become too unruly of a car
0: my my guess is he probably would have i think guys like norris and leclerc who finished just behind him would have passed him yeah that's because there there's just th- those cars are not nearly as fast as the red bull when the red bull's on form but a red bull with significantly degraded tires all of a sudden yeah. <laughs> You know, then I think the McLaren and Ferrari would be able to have an edge. Um, so I yeah. think he, if they hadn't done the strategy they did, I think he very easily could have could have ended up in in sixth. I think he would have stayed in front of the Alpines. You know, especially with the way Lando Norris was going today, I and mean, he, yeah. he had a great drive. Leclerc, you know, had a solid drive. So I think I think they're they're looking at Perez not as a guy to get them podiums necessarily. I think I mean they would love that obviously, but they need him to be consistently getting you know, solid points for them. The Max is gonna be their guy that's gonna threaten for a drivers championship. You know, they need Perez to be the guy that is consistently finishing, you know, fifth or higher, getting, you know, chunking up points. Um in the hope that, you know, that consistency will allow them to kind of maybe get around. Cause it seems like every year Mercedes has one or two races they screw up royally like whether it's a pit stop yeah. issue or they have a me- mechanical yeah. problem so i think red bull is just hoping they can be extremely consistent
1: and yeah and that's and, probably really all they are asking for that second driver you know yeah like you just said that's with, that's
0: why i think albon just an, annoyed yeah. them ultimately too much in the end was albon could be quick over lap and and was a decent driver but he made too many mistakes and you can't yeah. You can't compete with Mercedes if one of your cars is crashing out every other race or finishing yeah. out of the top ten every other race because it has to come in to get a, a damaged front wing repaired or something.
1: Yeah. Um, one other thing I was thinking about when I was watching the races, as you alluded to, uh, Norris, really impressive. I mean, just yeah, really He's pushing so those fast. McLarens. And I, God, you know, what would that guy look like in a Mercedes Silver Arrow? I know he he's so pretty good.
0: He's just so fast. I, I think when Ricardo moved to McLaren, I think I was excited to see like, Oh, here's Ricardo. Like a guy who's been on multiple podiums is a very quick driver. I cannot wait to see how he compares to Lando and seeing the first few races. Now it's like, Holy crap, man. Lando is even faster than I realized. Cause he's, yeah. he's kind of putting it to, to Ricardo. You know, he's put too. it to him every race
1: so far. <laughs> Pretty much, he's you know these young guys—they're <laughs> hungry.
0: They're they're know? hungry. They're willing to be a little bit of rec- you know—a little bit reckless. And and Norris just—he's not afraid to push. And I I really I enjoy watching the kid can the kid can really drive. And so I I hope McLaren keeps improving. And I I hope that lando can stay with them and and is tempted to go jump to mercedes or red bull and and i think it'll be really telling though next year because once the regulations come into effect and the and the cost containment comes into effect then i think it's gonna be hard for a team to be quite so dominant for quite so long as mercedes have been yeah Um, and so maybe lando will will feel like you know, he doesn't have, because I think most drivers right now, they know if they want to win world yeah. championships, they've got to move to either
1: Red Bull to. or Mercedes.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that's
1: a really good point. I'm, I'm certainly interested to see how this experiment works out. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess the, I don't know if it's the worst case scenario, but nothing changes and we still continue to get these things singular dominant teams that you know stretch on for seven years uh right i think the more interesting scenario will be that there's a little bit more variability i think yeah. um that's what i'd like to see honestly uh just well i was, I was
0: talking to my father-in-law about about because we were watching the formula one race together and, and i said you know I, next season should be really exciting because you know in the era of cost containment it really comes down to how innovative you can be within the guidelines of the FIA to develop some new tricky aerodynamic tech or suspension tech or or whatever it may be. So it'll really come down to cleverness. Um, and I mean, it does to a large extent now, but I think even more so, you can't just keep throwing money at the car to improve it. When yeah. you have a cap on how much <clears throat> you can spend, you've got to get more creative.
1: Yeah, I think overall, good race. It was a fun race. Um, Kind of the, you know, usual suspects at the top of the pile. Um, But, you know, it wasn't the most super exciting race, but we we saw some some good passing. Um, Yeah. You know, it's an interesting circuit to watch um so yeah yeah overall, i think i think overall in the middle of the road fun. f1 race <laughs> yeah i mean good. this
0: was kind of the first race we've had in a while where there wasn't some crazy accident or some <laughs> yeah, shenanigans yeah. although maza spin did spin <laughs> in qualifying which was which is great uh yeah. and then he got blue flag or <laughs> he got in trouble oh of, i did i do remember he that to get in yeah, trouble I, for uh I wonder, basically um,
1: holding up perez yeah with that I wonder what the hell happened there. I mean, the guy was getting out of the way for most cars. Maybe he just, I don't know. what. It's like, I like know what Sergio.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I wanna... you're, you're yeah. literally two laps behind and you're losing your, to your own teammate by a minute. Like you need to, I, yeah, I think Although, I'll be, yeah. if he doesn't lose his super license by the end of the season, <laughs> I'll be very impressed.
1: <clears throat> the guy gives me hope though, that, you know, maybe if I become a multi billionaire, I can have like a different seat at the race. And by that yeah. I mean a seat in a car. In the car, just yeah.
0: If only you were born to a Russian oil uh, magnate, yeah. you'd be
1: set. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a lot of work to do to get to that point. I think my uh, I think I
0: might be beyond the age. The ship might have sailed. <laughs> uh well, so good race um and uh look looking forward to the next one but uh we wanted to um not spend the whole episode on on motorsport um we thought it'd be kind of interesting you've had a lot of uh, recent kind of developments with the tycon uh and we thought it'd be a good experience good time to talk about kind of the ev ownership experience you you, you know I don't have that experience but I've kind of seen it vicariously through you with yeah. both the Etron mm-hmm. and now the Taycan and and I think it'd be really interesting for the for the listeners to kind of hear as as really an early adopter of a lot of this tech what what your kind of ups and downs have been with it.
1: Yeah, I think that uh overall, I mean, I still give a two thumbs up. I I think at the end of the day evs i really believe in them as a daily driver for the masses i think that they're a great car mm-hmm. for that um, yeah i was talking I to my with... father-in-law today
0: and he as soon as their car is out of warranty um, and they move down to florida full-time they're currently snowbirds but he was saying that once they move to florida full-time he wants to get an ev because it seems like the perfect daily runabout and i said absolutely that's what uh, evs are It's a, it's a easy one it's quiet it's comfortable yeah and if you're driving 20 miles a day and you have 200 miles of range you got to
1: charge it once a week you know yeah exactly and that's i think you know we're still in the era we're still in the era where you have to decide if it fits your lifestyle right like i've said you know if you're going out to montana on the weekends for hiking or whatever going to your ranch um it's, it's probably not the right choice right but i think we're within striking distance of potentially getting to that point where whether that's solid state batteries and, you know, well, presumably the next decade, probably sooner than that, but where the range just becomes irrelevant. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. looking at 6,800 miles of range, it's, it's irrelevant at that point. (laughs) Right. um, Now being on the bleeding edge, I'm kind of a techie guy. So I, I like that type of stuff. And, you know, we do have um, a third, gas car as kind of a backup so i i have to probably you know disclose that right yeah you haven't it's put all your eggs in one basket <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um you know i think so from a perspective of you know the ev in general i'm a i'm a big proponent of it i'm a big believer in it i think it will in time and probably a, very shortly will become you know costs comparative to gas cars and I think for a lot I of think, people, it makes makes sense I, for you know one car is an EV, one car is a gas car, and that EV gets you ninety five percent of what you need done on a routine basis, and it's very easy to use.
0: Right, and I think a lot of to your point in terms of cost, I think there's, I believe Renault and me and some of the other manufacturers that aren't necessarily in America but are you know any in, in Europe are are starting to put out EVs that are in that, you know, thirty dollars to $40,000 range where yeah. the average middle-class person can say, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'll go lease one of those. Um, and it's not stretching a budget significantly to do it.
1: Yeah. I was reading an article the other day about, um, it was in the one of Porsche's magazines, and they were basically alluding to the fact that they do not anticipate at least in any time in the near future. And by that, I probably mean like 10 years, 15 years of the nine eleven ever being electric. So right. from, uh, you know, kind electrifying of a, everything else really yeah, first from kind of a niche, um, performance car experience. I think there's going to be a, a place for, uh, you know, nine GT threes, uh, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, uh, you name it, and for a long time, there's just not that many of them that get sold. So they're not I don't really thinking right. of them as like contributing tremendously to, uh, you know, pollution. Yeah. Um, On,
0: and it's kind of a challenge too, because if you have a, a Cayman, so you have a Cayman EV, and you have a 911 EV, how do you really differentiate them? Because it's going to be yeah. similar kind of skateboard architecture. Yeah, aesthetically, they're different. Obviously, you're going to you're going to slap a different body on each one But in terms of performance, you know, maybe you can throttle back the amount of power the Cayman batteries put yeah. out as opposed to an internal combustion engine where a Cayman is going to sound different than a 911 because it's got a different engine. Making that difference is more challenging across a model line for, for a manufacturer, I think, with EVs.
1: Yeah, and I think they're really probably going to wait until there's a point where they can get battery packs to weigh a lot less. And yeah, it's
0: hard. It's hard to. It's hard to stomach the idea of a
1: nine eleven that weighs five thousand pounds. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, does it? So I think that might end up being like the the bleeding edge of performance EVs, but we're we're probably ten years away from that. Mm-hmm. So that so that being said, all of that being said, I think. I think there's a great role for EVs as daily drivers. I think there's going to be a a great niche for performance ice cars for a long time. And I think my wife and I kind of decided that we would like to help shepherd some of that, provide feedback. You know, we've Mm -hmm. had a lot of positive experiences with the, uh, you know, Volkswagen automotive group. So that's kind of why we stuck with them. Right. and um you kind and of went in eyes idea. wide open knowing that yeah. there are
0: probably going to be issues
1: yeah and some people that i've you know kept track of on the forums have gotten lucky and have had zero and right. uh, others have had a lot worse than us with our mm-hmm. Etron, we noticed you know some software issues a little glitchy stuff it's dumb stuff like hey it's coming up on your year uh you should go get your oil changed
0: oh because you know, like the software <laughs> is essentially the same as from the q5 or whatever <laughs> yeah
1: they hadn't flipped that over so silly stuff <laughs> like that but then kind of not so silly stuff i remember one time in the fall we were just thinking like where the hell is all of our range going you know we right. typically run 200 miles and within like a week my my wife was like it had gotten colder but she's like, yeah, I don't know, my range has just gotten really low. And so I thought, well, it's probably from the cold because that can cut cut into, you know, 30% of your range or something, depending on if you have a heat pump for a heater or it's just electric resistance. But right. she was saying, like, oh, it's dropped in half. And so I was like, well, we'll see. But we took it up to the, um, you know, we drove into the Twin Cities, which for us is about, it's like a 90-mile drive. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of, as I, I like to say, we we're coming in on sparks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that right. should not have been the case. And so I was like, oh, God, this is this is actually a real issue. And uh, we had uh, taken I've taken some time on the forums to see what people thought if they had had ever run into this. And, and it seemed like this is something's not right here. So we took it into the shop, which is one of the benefits is we have a dealership in our town so we can take it into the shop and we can get a a loaner. It's very convenient. And they basically said one of the, I don't remember how many battery modules or make up the battery pack, but one of them had failed. One of the batteries had like lost its voltage. And so it really shuts down like a chunk of the pack because of that. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you're operating on like two thirds of a battery or three quarters. And we, um, it took a while to get that fixed. They had to send a new module, and then they had to send a calibrating tool, which I think they station in the U.S., but it, it moves around because it's so infrequently needed, and so they had to rebalance all the voltages in the modules. Mm. And so, uh, you know, that was kind of a pain in the butt. Um, Good you know, to have we the third down. car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, at that time, we, we didn't have the third car, but I was driving... Um, or my, They gave us a loaner, which I think was a, an Audi A6. But I'll tell you what, every time my wife's gotten one of those loaners, she's com- yeah, always commented like, oh my God, it just makes you realize how nice the e-tron is. How
0: quiet and comfortable I mean, it is. Yeah, they yeah. I mean,
1: really did a great job. Um, that's where I think really... a lot
0: of people that aren't car people, the EVs are such a huge boon, is if you're not a car person, you don't care about engine noise, you maybe don't particularly care about like dynamic feedback. Yeah. And so yeah. if you can get rid of like, that's like how my mom is and her favorite yeah. car she's ever been. And I think has been like a Lexus LS 400 because it's like a vault in there. You don't exactly. hear noise. You it's don't hear tire meditative. noise. <laughs> yeah. So I think for most people so. that is our, like, our like mm-hmm. Steph or like your wife, where it's, it's like, that is the best idea of a driving experience for yeah. daily getting around that she can think yeah. of.
1: And I think that's for a lot of people. And I think mm-hmm. once they take the plunge, they'll kind of realize. And both, so the Etron was a, you know, first year model. The only other issue we've had with that um, was like the back light bar. Half of that went out and we needed to get that replaced, but they did that. You know, they just ordered the piece. And, yeah, it was with, done within a day. And all of that happened about within the first year. And I think we're going on year two you know dash three of the lease mm-hmm. and uh, we did lease that car kind of we were uncertain of what our we'd never owned an ev so we didn't know how any of this was going to work right um but yeah otherwise ever since then it's been completely rock solid no issues and you've
0: talked about like when that when the utron leases up like almost certainly you're going to be replacing with a different ev it's just a matter of what what Um, your wife wants
1: we and that's not a ding against the e-tron if that's what what it's a ding against is we've realized that where we live and based on our lifestyle we need 300 miles of range right Um, yeah because that that captures 99.9 percent of the driving we do in a year and then we don't need to fast charge at all and that's Mm -hmm. which saves the life of the battery right yeah yeah, it's just a pain in the ass, you know, because they're not like gas stations at this point. They're not ubiquitous. If they and were And they're not always
0: functional. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not just a that. it's
0: yeah, it's not just a function of it's it's one thing if you only have an EV charging station every hundred miles. That's that's annoying enough. But if you finally get to one and yeah. none of the stations are working, then you're just screwed. Then you've got a really <laughs> expensive paperweight.
1: Yeah, and and so I think what we've realized is uh, from the day that we've owned it to where we're at now, a lot has improved. There's a lot more chargers, but there's still quite a ways to go. And if we hit that 300-mile range, uh, we don't need to worry about it. We just frankly don't need to worry about it. I would be quite happy, you know, if Audi had a same type of e-tron with 300 miles in a couple of years, I'd be happy to, you know, just buy that car and keep it and run it into the ground.
0: Yeah. Which I think is a realistic, I mean, based on where the, these are the first iterations of all the traditional manufacturers EVs. And I think they all know that range is probably one of the penultimate concerns of anyone looking to buy an EV. And that's what's given Tesla along with their supercharged network, such a a massive, uh, you know, leg up and,
1: in and, the competition and the, the people that say that range don't doesn't matter probably don't own evs or have really unique lifestyles where they don't ever leave a city um yeah i think that the the truth is it's just it's going to be a pain in the ass to charge these things for a while it's not apocalyptic like it's under 30 minutes so you know and i don't really like you know mega you know thousand mile road trips i don't like i have no interest in doing one of those every month um, so it doesn't right. really impact me. And when I do have to make a longer drive, it's usually about a nice breaking point, you know, to mm-hmm. get some lunch and just chill out, get the dogs out right. of the car. If you're if
0: you're doing 70, you, you've been on the road for four hours by then. It's yeah. usually like, either lunch good. or it's dinner t- time. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm not 20 years old anymore. I have no interest in doing. Right. You know, you're not a long hour driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drives, so, and then uh, with the Ticon, kind of similar experience, you know, we've had, had some software hiccups with it, um, you know. Not, not, not. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of 12 volt issues in the forums. Mm-hmm. I've never been hit with that, but I think it's hard to pinpoint exactly what replicates it. But it does seem to have something to do with being, you know, plugged in, uh, either charging or finished charging at home and just sitting there, and some mm-hmm. kind of endless communication loop happens with the car. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. it seems to be a third-party third party charger, which triggers it, and then it just kills the 12-volt. And that's not unique to the Taycan. That's happened in the Mach-E. It's happened in Teslas. It's It's just, you know, maybe someday we'll be able to get out of that 12-volt architecture and somehow, you know, share energy with the big battery pack. But for now, yeah. we're still, we've got a 12-volt architecture for all these little things in the car. And so Mm -hmm. we're dealing with that. I haven't been hit by that. That seems to be probably one of the biggest complaints with the TICON. Otherwise, you know, uh, I bought a 2020, so that's the first year we took it up. It was about, and we're going on, well, we're going to be going on three weeks this Wednesday. I took it up for a two-day software update, which turned into... two weeks (laughs) well the software uh, update turned it into
0: uh, basically a very nice anchor yeah it bricked
1: it it uh, you know they were updating um, a boatload of control modules it's so funny like I
0: picture you bricking a a cell phone or I've heard of like gaming consoles to get bricked but bricking a
1: car is such a new concept yeah something else right Yeah, so here's the here's the interesting thing, and I think this is just, this is legacy, you know, automakers are, are, are learning, obviously. You know, at Tesla, um, I think they update a lot of these control modules just over the air at home. I think that legacy manufacturers will probably get to that point, but right now they're not confident in it. And this is probably one of the reasons why, because yeah. these modules control really important things like brakes, mm-hmm. um, you, you know. Your, well, one of the uh, things you told it, you... me
0: <laughs> with this whole process was, you know, I remember you telling me, I thought it was a really important point, uh, which is why I want to kind of bring it up is that Tesla understands the importance of the software probably better than anyone at this point. They and do. Porsche yes. and, and Volkswagen Automotive Group as a whole is learning yeah. the hard way with some of the issues these ta- Taycan updates are having that. Soft, you know, you can make the most pristine, beautiful automobile, and if you don't have the team putting together the software package to match the quality of the finish on the car, no one's going to care how great that car was because it that can't move on its own
1: That completely sums up kind of where I'm at. I, I absolutely adore that car. I would. I will never, I don't want to ever give it up. Um, Mm -hmm. I can live with this stuff because I love the car so damn much. Like, yeah, it's phenomenal. One of the, you know, the issues here was uh, they got, I I don't know, let's just say there were like 30 control modules getting updated. They got them all done except for um, the rear drive module. And this is one of those things that I think, I don't know if it has something to do with I have rear wheel steering on mine. I kind of asked them that, and they're like, that's a good point. Interesting. We've updated a bunch of other 2020s and had no issues. So I was like, maybe that's it. Maybe a little added
0: complexity.
1: Yeah, but regardless, the module itself, the Porsche does not produce that independent of the rear drive unit. So the whole damn thing is getting replaced. Mm-hmm. And I think I asked them, "What do you th- What do you think that costs?" <laughs> Just out of curiosity, <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I don't even want to hazard a guess, And if I did, I'd probably say it's between ten and fifteen grand." <laughs> yeah, so, it's you know, it's. I mean, you're it's expensive. It's not something as an automotive manufacturer you ever want to repeat, or you certainly don't want it happening in many of your cars. And so, right. to me, wow. this is a company that I I'm enthusiastic about. I'm excited because that automotive group seems to get it and they're pushing towards solutions. They're assembling, you know, it sounds like great software teams so I can deal with right. this. I can support that, you know, yeah. for years, that'll kind of be a decision point. Um, did they get right. it? So with the Tycon, what I'm really hoping for at this point is that it is rock solid after this. Um, it's, I'm going to lump it into the growing pains category. Obviously, if this happens, you know, were to happen every month, I would would have a little bit less of a stomach for for it. But um, I'm kind of seeing similar parallels that we had with the e-tron, and then that thing just kind of settled down. It's been a great car at this point. So
0: Yeah, it kind it, of worked does, things
1: out over time. It does make you th- wonder, though, um, you know, extended warranties on EVs. Obviously, I think they give you like an eight-year, some, you know, 100,000-mile warranty on the battery pack, which is really important to have. But these other components are super expensive. And so it's, you know, it would be something to think about. And uh, there may be, well, I think there's definitely going to be a market for it. And I think with these early adopter cars, you'll probably get some more use out of it. (laughs) But give it five Mm -hmm. years from now, you probably won't hopefully see these kind of issues with EVs. They are much simpler, so you shouldn't.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a matter of, yeah, the the hardware is much simpler. It's much more straightforward, less moving parts. It's just a matter of getting the software. The software has to be rock solid because otherwise, you know, it's annoying if my iPhone has a bug that is causing some functionality issue, but it's yeah. way worse if, I, if my, you know, EV update bricks my ev in my garage <laughs> yeah.
1: and this is uh, just <clears throat> just a little quick kind of analogy i i saw the spacex you know brought down the astronauts successfully right in their uh, dragon capsule and i was reading this in- interesting article about boeing's starliner which is supposed to be the same kind of capsule and mm-hmm. the first time they tested this thing it, it didn't work And NASA basically sent them back and said, you got to fix all these things. They gave them a list of 80 things they needed to be fixed. And guess what the vast majority of them were? Software. Software. (laughs) Yeah. So this is not like, this is not um, just a car, an automotive issue. This spans everything in our world today. Whether it's, you know, legacy aerospace manufacturers, high end mm-hmm. speaker manufacturers you name it um, yep. software is the currency
0: yep No, i, I we've touched on it before in, in other episodes but you know the software developer and code writer is going to become kind they're of like the Denny new gods
1: man <laughs>
0: yeah they're they're going to become the the it's going to be interesting because instead of just silicon valley startups fighting over the best software engineers coming out of school you know, now you're going to have legacy car manufacturers, autumn aerospace manufacturers. Everybody is going to be fighting over these guys. I mean, they're going to be able to kind of name their price, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I so, think if, the, if know, they have if, uh, the credentials,
1: if the kids are listening, uh, I put that on the short list of future software careers. engineer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: you don't mind writing code. Uh, exactly, well, yeah. anything else you want to add, buddy?
1: No, I think that sums it up pretty well.
0: <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back, kind of, I'll be back in my home base next week. But uh, until then, um, check us out on uh, Instagram at the Blow Off Valve Podcast. Uh, it's a good place to follow us for updates on the show when the show's coming out, as well as uh, give us any show topics or questions you might have. And then please remember to uh, like and subscribe to the uh, podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your uh, podcasts, uh, and, you know, giving us ratings, uh, really helps kind of getting us up in the algorithm, so to speak, so that we can get out to more people. So thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next week.